Welcome back, and thank you for coming back. Good to be with a group that uh, wants to dig a little deeper in the Word and think a little harder, maybe, perhaps, than we do sometimes. Sunday evenings we uh, do tend to dig a little deeper in the Word, hopefully. Uh, We're working on the subject uh, title of Faith Walkers for the second year now, actually. Uh, There's lots of characters in the Bible that we can look at as an example of walking by faith, and we're trying to pick a few of those out and study them in some detail, and we've been working on Noah for two weeks, and this is our third week on uh, the famous man of the Old Testament. Uh, Got a lot of questions about Noah. was reading his genealogy and the men that came before him, and I noticed Enoch in there. And I thought, you know, that's a that's a heaven kind of question. I, I don't know if you have a list of things that you got to check out when you get there, but uh, there's things that the Bible just doesn't tell us. But I saw Enoch there, and I, I did the numbers, and Noah just lived 69 years after Enoch uh, went to heaven. Uh, Enoch didn't die. He walked with God, and God took him. Uh... So they were in the same time period, almost the same generation in some ways. Uh, and it struck me, I wonder why God took Enoch, but made Noah live through all that he had to live through. I don't know. I don't have the answer. That's why i got to ask when I get there. Uh, but God does that kind of thing. I mean, for some reason, Enoch got to go and... Didn't have to preach for 120 years. You know, didn't have to build a boat. But Noah came along. God said, all right, this is the man to do this for me. Uh, so they were so close, but yet so different. And both of them were righteous men. And it says both of them walked with God. So interesting question. And uh, I get to ask that first when we get there. So don't you guys worry about it. Uh, tonight's lesson about Noah uh, we've, we've looked at Hebrews 11:7, the detailed verse in the Hall of Faith about him. And last week we talked about the days of Noah, how wicked it was then and all that. Uh, tonight I want to talk about a, a few different things, mainly some kind of thought questions. Uh, just make us think a little bit about what Noah did walking by faith. I called it risks and rewards of righteousness. And in a sense, that's what we're talking about. What I'm really talking about is how you balance your life, how we make these decisions uh, that come out to be really big decisions. Um, Let me tell you why I went down this road, why I started thinking of it. It started with that little phrase, Noah built an ark to save his family. And when I read that and saw it over and over, I thought, okay, here's a guy who set out to save his family. And from there, my mind went a couple of other places. Uh, One, it went to the uh, funeral we had a couple of weeks ago for for Marvin Caseboat. And seated over here with his family uh, were 60-plus kids and grandkids and great-grandkids that had come from this one couple. And I mentioned in the funeral that uh, as far as I knew, and in general, it was a a God-fearing, faith-walking family. Uh, Generations, uh, because of the decision that a couple made, uh, that we're going to walk by faith. We're going to save our family. 
And a, a short time after that, uh, I was talking to a, a gentleman who uh, not in good health, and we were talking about things. I was learning a little about him, really hadn't talked to him uh, before in any way. And I asked him how many kids he had. And uh, he's toward the end of his life, and he told me, and it was a big number. I said, whoa, I didn't know you had that many kids. I said, how many grandkids you got? He said, oh, I don't know, I lost count. He said, I got 60 or so great-grandkids and great-grandkids. And the more I talked to him, it, it seemed, and I'm being judging or deducing on my own here, uh, that is not the most godly family in the world. Not that God-centered, shall we say. Uh, and I imagine that if you lined up those two families in two different sections, you could tell the difference. You could just see the difference. And in society and in the kingdom, I bet you could really see the difference. Yeah. And so as I thought about all that and how from one man or one couple... Uh, things can be so different. I kept going back to this verse where it says, Noah built an ark to save his family. That was one of the things that he did this decision point thing on, risk and reward. He decided to save his family. And sometimes we talk about faith walking, I think, like it's, uh, well, it's the right road. You know, you ought to just walk by faith. And it's fairly clear, you know, and it's fairly easy. And it's easy to understand and easy to do it. You just walk by faith. Well, I don't think that's the way it is. You know, it's not always that clear, not always that easy. Uh, it, it really comes down to more little bitty individual decisions that over the years add up and grow together and become a bigger thing and they build up into one big choice. So, obviously Noah had that one big choice. God came to him and spoke to him. said, I want you to build an ark. Save your family. And I guess Noah could have told him no. Uh, he chose not to. He chose to say, okay, I'll do that. He made that decision. I, w I will do whatever you say. I'll do it exactly right. I'll build this and I'll save my family. And I, and I don't think people like I was talking about sit down one say, day and say, I'm going to live my life so that my family's all messed up. I don't think anybody says that. But the way we make decisions... The way we come to these things and the way we decide individual little actions, it adds all up. It adds to, up to all of that. Okay. So uh, that's a little bit of rambling about where this lesson came from. And I know you don't probably care a whole lot where it came from, but you know, preachers like to talk about that. It's, you know, there's no sermon outlines in here, you know. I mean, you decide you're going to talk about Noah. And you, you read the story of Noah, and you get done, and it doesn't say, do this in four parts, and the, the first one is about this, and the second one's about this, third one's about eight. Somebody's got to figure that out. Uh, and sometimes it's kind of clear and easy, and sometimes it's not. Uh, when Doug said that all Noah had to do was preach 120 years and build the boat, 
I thought, man, it'd be easy to build a boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> preaching 120 years, that'd be hard work. You, know? <laughs> you might run out of sermon outlines. Um, anyhow, so that's kind of where all this came from. So let's, maybe it'll make a little more sense to you now. Let's look at a few of these choices that Noah made, whether he sat down and made them directly or not, and we'll think about risk and rewards. Uh, the first one I thought of was what he really had to decide in the big picture was, am I going to find favor with God or am I going to find favor with man? Am I going to please God or am I going to please man? Okay. And if you just say it like that, and if I went around and took a poll and said, take out one of the visitor's cards and write down what you would choose to do. Guess what the score in here would be? You know, we'd also, uh, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to favor God. Well, it is that big decision, but it's really not. Because when you come to a decision point, am I going to do this or this? Uh, God is unseen. You know, he's not there. The people... Men and women, your peers, people you're dealing with, they're standing right there looking at you. And if they are against what God wants to do and you choose what God wants to do, they're going to laugh in your face. God's not going to say anything. So when it sounds like a big, easy choice, well, yeah, I'll choose God. It's not always that easy. Uh, with God, you get the, the delayed results. Yeah, I'm going to get rewarded if I follow God, but not this instant. Okay. With people choosing favor with them, you're going to get rewarded that instant. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll play along. I'll, I'll do the wrong thing. I'll go to the wrong place. I'll do the wrong thing. And they say, all right, you're one of the gang. You get the immediate reinforcement. Okay. Uh, and you go look back at Noah, and what situation was he in? God's invisible. God's not there. God's told him to build this silly thing and to tell them that the rain's going to come, and the entire world doesn't believe him. The entire world's against him. In fact, I guess that some days probably Shem or Ham or Japheth questioned a little bit. Dad, are you really sure about this? I oh, mean, that's a long time to wait. But the world was right there with them, mocking them, making fun of them, saying they were crazy, I'm sure. And that's what it comes down to. Is that It's not that I'm going to choose favor with God and that's easy, it's settled. He's got to decide that every day. You know, every day he goes out to work on the ark and starts preaching to the guys that come around and all that. He's got to take the same abuse and he's got to decide, yep, I'm going to keep doing this because I'm going to find favor with God. Okay. So it's individual things. Sometimes they're kind of biggies, like we've talked about Daniel and the uh, three boys, Hananiah, Ezra, and Mishael, and that story back in Daniel. And they had those moments. You know, Daniel had to choose the diet. Am I going to eat unkosher stuff because I'm in this new country or not? Daniel said, no, just give me fruits and vegetables. That's 
I'll be fine. Okay? That was not an easy choice in the situation that he was in, and probably he was just a teenager. Uh, prayer. They told him, don't pray, or we'll throw you in the lion's den. Well, please God or men. The three boys in the fire bow down to the, the golden altar. We're going to do this or not. Everybody around us, everybody is on the ground. Are we going to bow or not? If we bow, we're in big trouble. <laughs> the king isn't going to be happy. Well, we could get along a lot better if we just bow. So it's those little, sometimes they're clear when you read a big story like that, but our choices sometimes aren't that clear, and they're, they're daily, they're all this risk and reward. You, you look and, okay, do I choose man or do I choose God? Okay. Number two, the one I thought of, is are you going to save your life or lose your life? Now, that sounds kind of silly because it just sounds like, well, nobody would choose to lose your life. That's why it's one of the strangest things Jesus said. Uh, if you choose to lose your life, you'll save it. If you choose to save it, you'll lose it. And he was talking about spiritual and physical things. Uh, our worldly life. In fact, let's turn over to First John Chapter 2, most of you know that one by heart. We've looked at it so many times. First John chapter 2, verse 15. John said, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world... Uh, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Okay, there's the spiritual life and the, the worldly life. And we are up against the world system that says, here's how you ought to do things. And we've talked about that a number of times in detail. Satan changes the price tags completely. What God says is valuable, Satan says is worthless. And what God says is will hurt you, is bad for you, Satan says this is good for you. He turns it around completely and he uses those three tricks there, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, to try to get us to buy into the world system. Okay? In one sense, that's one big choice. Do I want to save my life or I want to lose my life? Do I want to do what God says or do I want to do what the world says? Well, sounds easy if you say that. Once again, you'd all say, okay, I, I, I picked God's way. But that's not how it goes. You don't get one big choice and you're done. You're going to get a whole bunch of choices tomorrow. You probably get a few the rest of this night. The world system will tell you one thing. You've got to pick the decide whether you're going to pick the other. There's a risk. There's a reward. The world will be happy if you choose their way. It, you'll get rewarded in worldly things perhaps, but in the end you lose it. Okay. All right, third one, and this is the one that really started me off on this uh, lesson this evening is uh, save your life or save your family or lose your family. 
Once again, we'd score a hundred on that if we <laughs> if we got the answer. Well, sure, I'd save my family. But the, like I said, those folks I was talking about, the two different families. I'm not sure that either one of them started out and said, "Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my choice." Uh, but that decision was made in the little steps, the little little decisions uh, as life came along. I think it's good if we make that statement. If we say we're going to stand on the book and that's where this family's going and that's the way it's going to be, I think that's a, a good thing. But it's settled not by one big statement. It's settled by daily actions. And I put a couple actions down there to help us follow through on this. Number one, if you're going to save your family, you've got to teach the truth. You got to reinforce that truth all the time. Uh, that's what Deuteronomy six said: how the family works, and how God wants godly children to come along. His parents and grandparents they talk about this stuff all the time, daily. Reinforce it. We're doing this because God wants us to do this. Okay. Uh, that example over there, that's wrong, and he's going to get in trouble because that's not something God wants him to do. And you teach that over and over, and how you get the help of preachers and teachers and youth ministers and Sunday school classes and all that. But that's the family's job, is to teach it. That's how you save your family. And families that come out... Like the one case I was talking about, not too interested in godly things and not too uh, complicit with his rules and commands probably. I doubt if they heard much of it. I bet there were other priorities, other things that were more important in that family over the years. And then not just teach the truth. Some people think they've done their job, they get their kids to church and Get them into Sunday school class, and that's going to cover it. Uh, no. In fact, if that's all you do, that'll mess them up worse. Uh, the second part that's more important is living the truth. Okay. You, you can not just teach the truth, but you got to live the truth. You know. And Noah, I'm sure he told the boys, here's why we're doing this. Here's what God said. And he probably had to tell them that pretty regularly. But... Where they really got the lesson was when Noah showed up for work every day. When they saw him over there talking to the crowds and explaining what they were doing and why and why he believed in God, that's where they got their lessons. That's why they got in the ark with Noah as they saw how he lived. That life has got to be consistent with the teaching. Uh, And I don't think... I even know how to stress this enough. Uh, it probably ought to be a sermon series at least sometime. But you know, adults talk about hypocrites. You hear a lot of adults say, oh, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. You know, or I quit going to church because there's too many hypocrites there. Okay, adults, that's just kind of an excuse. You know, they know better. That's just an excuse. But kids know hypocrites. Okay. Kids see it. I mean, they spot it like that. Okay. And, I, and I haven't done a 
study. I think somebody could do a doctrinal thesis on it and and look at the faithfulness of families, the faithfulness of children. And I think if you ran all the numbers and statistics, you might not find much difference between faithful attendance and faithful Sunday school attendance and on and on and on. But I think you would find a huge difference in how parents live during the week compared to what they teach and profess. Being a little judgmental perhaps, but I think I've seen it. I think it's recognizable. I think you see families that, you know, two families, both families were at church every time the doors were open, did all this, did all that, and all of that. But the kids came out completely different. And I know kids have free choice, and it's not always to do with the parents. And even God didn't raise two perfect children. And I I know all that. Well, I'm talking in generalities, like we talked last week. In generalities, I think when parents teach one thing or listen and and profess one thing and and live another way, kids spot that so fast. And as soon as they're able, they say, that's not for me. That's a bunch of foolishness. If parents sit and amen while the preacher is saying, we got to be forgiving and we got to love everybody and all that, and then they get in their car and hear their parents being critical and ugly and running somebody down, kids figure that out. They say, this is a bunch of foolishness. This isn't for me. If you're going to save your family, like Noah decided to do, he built an ark to do it, you got to teach the truth and live the truth. Okay, a couple of application questions here and we'll be done. Um, Noah walked with God. Okay, he was a faith walker. Where's faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Okay, so Noah listened to God. God talked to him. I don't know how often or how frequently or anything else, but, I mean, he was a patriarch. God spoke directly to him, uh, and obviously Noah paid attention and did what God told him to do. But today our faith comes from hearing the Word of God, and I can't even remember where I saw it, but I thought it was a cool little way of saying it. Somebody was talking about... Uh, hearing the word of God and building faith and all that. And they uh, compared it to uh, an occasional spiritual dessert versus daily bread. Does your faith grow by hearing an occasional spiritual dessert or does your faith grow by getting daily bread? Okay. Now, I wouldn't stoop so low as to say a Sunday morning sermon is a spiritual dessert. <laughs> but some people, that's that's it. That's all they get. That's all they hear of the Word of God. It's 30 minutes on Sunday morning on whatever topic I happen to, to talk about. may not have anything to do with their life at all. You know, I, I try to vary things enough that sometime during the year you're going to get something that deals with your life. 
But if it's not every Sunday, think how little Word of God that really is. How much is their faith going to grow? Okay. The daily bread thing, you know, people that are committed to, to reading this or studying or being with others or being in groups that study together, uh, as you go through this book, you're going to run into stuff that has to do with your life. It's going to hit you right where you are. And if you hear that, if you, you're putting that in, if that's what you're feeding on, your faith is going to grow. Yeah. What Noah did, he talked to God all his life and he walked with God and listened to him and he's a hero of faith. That's how we learn things, it is daily. Okay, second little application thought is Noah prepared an ark to save his family, it says. And then it says down later in the chapter that he did everything just as God commanded him. Okay? So my thought on that, my process was, I thought, okay, Noah had to build an ark. That was his thing. Okay, God came to him and said, you want to save your family, you build an ark. Okay? None of us have been told to build an ark. But we all got an ark. So what's your ark? That's the thing to think about when you go home tonight. What is the one thing that you need to be doing and following God's plan exactly. Doing everything just as God commanded you. Okay. Some of you think, well, I don't know what my ark is. Okay, well, let me help you. Think back through some of the things that we've covered uh, on Sunday mornings in some of our series lately. Uh, the last one that we finished is an example. We talked about home restoration by the book. Okay, as you went through that series, if you were paying attention, if you're here on Sunday morning and paid a modicum of attention, as you got through that series, did you think, okay, I got all that. I got that down pat. You know, we are doing everything perfect. We are following God's plan exactly. Or were there a lesson or two in there where you thought, whoa, if that's really what God says, I'm not sure I'm doing that. I'm not sure we're doing that exactly in our family. Okay. If you had them, and I, I'm guessing that almost everybody had a moment like that, but most of them we forget real quickly. I mean, that hour we kind of think, whoa, I probably ought to do something different. Okay. What Noah did was whatever God told him, that's what he did. You know, the, the day God gave him the description of the, the window to put in. You know, Noah didn't sit there and say, okay, I got it, got the dimensions and everything, and then walk off and the next day forget it. He didn't walk off and say, oh, yeah, he told me something about the window. You know, but I know I don't know what that was. No, he, I bet he wrote it down. He said, boys, here's what we got to do today. He did everything exactly as God commanded him. So if you're trying to decide what your ark is, get your archives out and go back through. Hey, that was funny, by the way, your archives. Get, go. <laughs> that reminds me. Yeah. 
I read a bunch of Noah jokes before I started this series. <laughs> that one just popped in my mind. Mark, do you know where Noah kept the bees? In the archives. That's why it was funny. <laughs> you know what kind of lights Noah had on the ark? Floodlights. Okay, we got off track somehow. Anyhow. Anyhow, Noah remembered this stuff. He did exactly what God commanded him. And you look back through some of the sermon series we've had. Uh, we've talked about finance, home stewardship, giving, all of that. Uh, we've talked about the Christian at work. We've talked about the Christian at leisure time. We've talked about so many different things in just the last couple of years. And if you got through all of those and said... I got it. I got those down pat. Okay, that's good. But if any of them jabbed you a little bit and you thought, whoa, I need to do something different about that, and you haven't, then here's something to think about. Noah had to build an ark, and he did it by doing exactly what God commanded him in every detail. If our ark is saving our family or getting our finances right or being a better employee at work or whatever... We just got to follow what God's plan is, exactly as he commanded. Okay, hopefully those will help you think about faith walking a little bit this week. Next week we're going to talk about after the flood, because all sorts of interesting things happened after the flood. Uh, Not all of them had to do with Noah's faith walking, but they certainly affect us today. So we'll cover some of those unique changes after the flood. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you put Christ on in baptism or uh, whatever your need might be, a public way. I'll be at the front here to receive you. Why don't you come? We'll stand and sing.